Whenever you're rehabbing or training for something, trying to improve performance, it's pretty commonly known now that the entire body, it communicates and interacts with each other in a seamless fashion. So for example, there could be an issue stemming in your back and that could affect your shoulder or it could affect your ankle and vice versa. All of these things are interconnected. And that's what I wanna talk about today. That's the topic. Most people have heard the term of fascia before, but we're gonna dive a little deeper and explain how the fascia actually is a continuous web in your entire body. And it actually creates these myofascial meridians, these lines of pull that span from your head to your toe. And it is activated and stressed in all these different ways. And when we have dysfunctional lines of pull, that can create a lot of other issues, could cause injuries, and also could decrease your performance. So stay tuned for this one. Let's talk about some anatomy trains and myofascial meridians welcome to the hnl movement podcast where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities sports and life join me in my professional journey as i share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals colleagues clients and you with one goal in mind how to optimize human performance This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the H&L Movement Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in for another week. For all of the new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about everything that helps to optimize human performance. I cover a lot of sports medicine, rehabilitation, injury prevention strategies, strength and conditioning, of course, and performance training, and also sports nutrition topics that will help you again to optimize your performance and realize your true potential. For all of my returning listeners, thank you again for all of your support. And for everyone out there, if you haven't heard some of the previous library of episodes, go check that out on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. I have covered a lot of solo topics with educational information, but also have had a lot of great guests come on the podcast and share their story, their journey that a lot of us can learn from and take some things to apply to our journey. And of course, if you find some value, interact with me. I would love to hear some feedback, share them with family, friends, coaches, teammates, colleagues, anyone that you think would also benefit from this content as well. And lastly, if you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, I've been putting up short video highlight clips of all of these guest interviews that I do. And a video clip is going up on my YouTube channel daily. So you can watch some of the video content that matches the audio content that you've been listening to. Stay tuned for more videos in the future too. I'm uploading a lot more educational content, resources, things that will help you to train better, train smarter, and help you accomplish all of your goals. Let's dive into some fascial anatomy. Talking about anatomy trains today. And this is all based out of Thomas Meyer's book, I have the old second edition, which came out in 2009. I believe I bought this right after that. So I was probably reading this and referring to this since around 2010 or so. But this book has really shaped my logic, thought process, understanding of movement and what types of things I'm looking at when I'm working with clients who need to rehab, strengthen condition, or even just improve overall performance. This logic will help you to understand the integration and connection all throughout the body. So let's get into this topic of myofascial meridians or what's known as anatomy trains. And what this is, is it's not acupuncture meridians. It's actual meridians that are based off of lines of pull, based off of Western anatomy concepts. So these are muscles that transmit strain, absorb force, create force along these lines of pull. And this is integrated all throughout our body. And we're gonna talk about that and discuss that right here. The key takeaway from this is that 
everything in our body is integrated. It's integrated in a seamless fashion, and our fascia is actually one continuous web that spans around all of our tissues in our body. Our bones, our muscles, our tendons, our ligaments, our organs, all of this is one continuous web of fascia. Fascia doesn't have a start and a stop. If you actually look at a human body, you're going to see that the fascia is this continuous webbing that encases everything in our body. And with this, this is especially true around muscles because muscles are contractile tissues. So fascia is really directing these lines of pull throughout our body, which we refer to myofascial meridians. Along those lines, our fascia, we're learning so much more and there's been so much more knowledge gained over the past decade, 10 to 15 years or so. But fascia, it communicates and stores a lot of this information and it allows our body to adapt to the stressors, the way that we're moving, tightness, restrictions, how strong our muscles are, all of this factors into how our fascia functions and responds to all of the things that we do in our life. So I just wanna break down a few basic concepts. And obviously this book that I mentioned, Anatomy Trains, this goes way more in depth. And even beyond this book, you can go a lot more in depth than that. So that's not the purpose of today. What I want to do is just give you an overview so that you can see how integrated our myofascial system actually is. So the basic concepts to understand a myofascial meridian is that the line of pull or these muscles, these individual muscles, they're all lined up in the same direction. And because of that, they have have more than just an individual line of pull. They have a systemic or integrated line of pull throughout our entire body. And many times this spans all the way from our toes to the top of our head. And that is a line of pull, anatomy train, or myofascial meridian. The second thing to note is that they're all lying at the same depth. When we think about our body, we have tissues that are more superficial towards the surface and tissues that are deeper, closer to either our bones or very deep in our body. So these myofascial meridians, they will sit along the same depth and kind of travel with that distinct pattern that connects everything seamlessly. And the third thing is that they're made up of individual muscles. And these individual muscles, of course, they have bony connections. That's how we typically think about anatomy, right? We have these origins and insertions. But if you look beyond individual muscles, you're going to see that there are certain fascial connections that remain consistent all the way throughout these lines. So those are the three concepts of what makes a myofascial meridian or anatomy train. And this line of pull is very crucial to understanding a lot of different things, either rehab, injuries, strength and conditioning things. And again, this logic has helped me when I've trained clients, work with athletes. It has helped me to understand how they're moving, why they're moving that way and some things that can help them to improve or move a little better. So to simplify this, just remember that everything from our toes all the way up to our head and our scalp, there is some seamless integration of how everything is connected. We are not made up of individual distinct muscles that do not have any of this fascial connection. So let's get into the content today. I am going to go over all of the basic myofascial meridians, and this is going to help you just to understand what connections there are, and then you can build off of that, especially if you're working on certain movements, working on mobility restrictions, this will apply to you. So the first line that I wanna go over is the superficial back line. The superficial back line, its job is to keep us upright. Its job is to overall extend all of our joints in our body, minus the exception of the knee joint. That, it will create knee flexion. So it's really on the posterior side of our body, the back side of our body, and it's preventing us from falling forward, resisting us from collapsing under gravity. 
So this line, it will start on the bottom of our foot, all the way at the bottom of our toes. And it's starting from the superficial layer of the muscles that flex our toes and our plantar fascia underneath our foot. And from there, it's going to attach to the calcaneus. And again, there's fascia around our bones. So from the calcaneus, it is going to blend in and attach our fascial connection into our Achilles tendon. And that Achilles tendon is going to attach to your gastrocnemius, the big muscle, explosive muscle of your calf that attaches to the femoral condyles on the backside of your femur. From there, you're going to have your hamstrings that also cross that knee joint. And your hamstrings, that muscle, it's in that same depth. So it is going to blend, the fascia blends into the distal portions of our hamstrings. And then this line of pull continues up your hamstrings all the way to your ischiotuberosity, which is the origin site of your hamstrings. From there, you're going to have your sacral tuberous ligament, which connects the sacrum to the ischial tuberosity, that ligamentous structure. And that's going to continue to have fascial connections on the backside of your sacrum. And from there, it's going to blend into your erector spinae group, where you're going to have those three big muscles that extend our spine, iliocostalis, longissimus, and spinalis. And that spans all the way up behind your neck to the base of your skull into your epicranial aponeurosis, which is the fascial connection over your cranium, over your bone. So really that is how the superficial back line is one continuous line of pull, same depth that spans everything from the bottom of our plantar surface of our foot all the way up to our skull. And it communicates to keep us upright and really helps us to extend our body and flex our knees. To do a full body stretch of this superficial backline, it is just doing a forward fold because you can see that you're going to stretch everything all the way from your calves, hamstrings, lower back, erector spinae group, and even if you drop your neck into flexion, you're going to get that entire fascial line to lengthen out to its maximal length. Downward dog also helps to get us to lengthen out this line or that plow position in yoga where you flip your feet over and you're trying to touch the ground with your toes. This will all help to lengthen out the superficial back line. Now, many times with modern activity daily living, the superficial back line will get very short. And what I mean by short is these muscles will get really tight, but also it'll start to pull your spine in this lordotic position, maybe kyphotic position, slight forward head position. And we're going to talk about how this is balancing out that superficial front line. So with that, let's get into the superficial front line. And actually the superficial front line will blend into the fascia around our skull, our scalp, and that is the connection that it has together, but they really balance each other out. Think one side being on the back side of the body and the superficial front line being on the front anterior side of the body. This front line, what it does is it helps to lift everything in the front against gravity. So it's resisting anterior pelvic tilt. It's resisting that forward head posture. It's trying to use all of these muscles to lift the front of our body up because it falls in front of our center of mass or that gravity line that's pulling everything down. So its job is to, again, create that lift with these muscles in the superficial front line. So again, it will lift the face, the rib cage, the pelvis to prevent all of these negative unwanted effects against gravity. And as I mentioned, 
the balance between the superficial front and back line. As the superficial front line tends to fail and shift downwards, it is going to pull the superficial back line upward. And this is what causes that posture that we are trying to avoid, right? That anterior pelvic tilt, lordotic posture, forward head posture, rounded shoulder posture. We're trying to mitigate that so that we can stand in good posture and nice and upright. So the function of this superficial front line is that it will flex everything except again for the knee joint. It will create dorsiflexion, hip flexion, lumbar flexion, cervical flexion. It will flex everything in our body with the exception of our knee joint, which it will cause knee extension because of these muscles being on the anterior side of the body, as you will see. So the superficial front line, it starts from the dorsal aspect of our foot. So it is going to be all the muscles on this top part of our foot that extends our toes. And that is going to blend into the anterior crural compartment. Crural is just another fancy word for the front of your shin or your lower leg, your shank. And that is going to blend in with these muscles. So we have the anterior tibialis muscle, which dorsiflexes our foot, along with the other muscles that I mentioned that extend our toes. And then this is a depth that where it originates from, the anterior tibialis muscle, it is in the same fascial layer and connection where it is going to blend in with your patellar tendon. And from your patellar tendon, it goes into your quad tendon and attaches to your quads, your rectus femoris, and all of your quad muscles. And then your rectus femoris is going to connect and insert to your anterior inferior iliac spine, or what we call AIIS. From there, it's not a direct connection, but you're still in the same layer. It is going to pick up from the medial part of your pubic bone where your rectus abdominis attaches. And then that sheath is going to go all the way up to attach to that sternum area where you do have fascial connection above your sternum that is going to go up and continue with your sternocleidomastoid muscle. And this is the big muscle that really helps us to rotate our head. And it attaches from our sternum and the clavicle area, and then it goes back to attach to your mastoid process on the base of your skull. And like I mentioned, that's where it meets with the superficial back line. So it's still in that same superficial layer. With this, this is where Again, our rectus abdominis is trying to prevent anterior pelvic tilt, excessive tension down the sternum fascia and with our sternocleidomastoid muscle. That is what contributes greatly to that forward head position, excessive cervical flexion, because you can kind of see if everything is tight down here, all the way down to our abs and our quads, this line of pull, it's going to pull the SCM muscle and our neck and our head in this forward position, that causes a lot of issues. So you can see that it's more than just one individual muscle again. It's this entire line of pull that we're looking at when we talk about myofascial meridians. To stretch the entire superficial front line, you're just basically going into full body extension. This is seen with a cobra position, any type of like reverse Nordic or full body quad stretch where you're getting extension in your spine as well or other tools that I like to use like the yoga wheel to really help us to extend and lengthen out the superficial front line. Next, let's talk about the lateral line. So the lateral line, you have one on the right side and the left side of your body. And again, this is kind of functioning to balance out each other. Just like we saw with the front and the back side of the body, the two right and left sides of the body, they're trying to balance each other out too, to keep us upright. And it helps to mediate the forces between the other lines and the right and left sides of our body. It's involved with a lot of lateral movements, hip abduction, lateral bending, lateral flexion, eversion at the ankle. All of these movements influence the lateral line. 
The lateral line, it starts at the bottom of the foot too with the peroneus longus tendon that travels underneath our foot and attaches to that medial aspect of our midfoot. And then that fascia will continue to support the lateral compartment of our lower leg or shank. And these are all the peroneal muscles. You have peroneus longus, brevis, and peroneus tertius. And they're all everters of our foot, which will support, again, that lateral aspect of the ankle. From there, that fascial connection will continue up to the head of the fibula, where it is very close and in that same depth as where the IT band attaches. Your IT band actually attaches onto Gertie's tubercle, which is part of your tip. But the fascial connection there, there's a lot of interconnection between that fascial layer. And then the IT band travels up where it'll specifically attach into your glute maximus and your TFL, your tensor fascia lata. Your IT band also attaches into your glute medius and glute minimus, your hip abductor group as well. And that attaches and blends into the iliac crest. From there, now you're on the lateral side of your body and it blends in with the internal and external obliques. And these are the muscles in the abdominal region that are responsible for lateral bending and rotation of your lumbar spine and your trunk. So this this is going to be the abdominal layer that goes up into your ribs and it is in the same fascial layer and the lines of pull between the external and the internal muscles they blend in with the external and internal muscles of the thorax between the ribs and these are your external and internal intercostals and that is going all the way up to the top of your rib cage and this fascial layer, it will blend into the muscles of the neck, your sternocleidomastoid again, and your splenius muscles, especially your splenius capitis, which will blend into the fascia around your skull. So you can see again that it was one continuous connection all the way from the bottom of your foot to the top of your skull. And to stretch your lateral line, it will be a lot of lateral bending. And of course, you can just hang because that bilaterally will help to lengthen out your lateral line on both sides of your body. Next, let's go over your spiral line. So this is a very interesting line. You're going to see some overlap with the superficial back line, some muscles of the lateral line, but it's very interesting because it helps us to maintain this rotary stability, but it also explains a lot of the imbalances that we have within our body. And I've seen this a lot through many athletes, many of the people that I've worked with. So this wraps our body in this spiral formation to help to keep us upright and support these other lines. This has actually been thought to provide a lot of stability to our knee because whenever we're walking, we're using a lot of these muscles, there is rotational motions to absorb force, create force. And it's thought that this spiral line and these muscles really help to contribute to create that rotary stability in our knee joints. Any imbalances in the spiral line, it contributes to excessive twisting, unwanted rotation, and also can contribute to lateral shifts in the body. So again, overall, it just helps to mediate all of this and balances out the forces in the rotational or transverse plane. When we talk about the spiral line, we are going to start at the head and the scalp. From there, it's going to go down the backside of your body and travel down the backside of your neck between your splenius capitis and cervicus muscle group. And remember, our splenius muscle, it helps to create ipsilateral rotation. If the right splenius muscle fires, then it is going to create rotation to the right. And this makes sense because it's a spiral line. So you're going to see that from there, the fascial connection is going to blend in with the rhomboid muscles. And the rhomboid muscles, this is going to attach to the medial border of our scapula. And it will blend in to the underside or the anterior side of our scapula with the serratus anterior muscle. And the serratus anterior muscle and the rhomboids, 
They're, they play a crucial role in keeping our scapula nice and stable. So the serratus anterior muscle is going to connect that medial border of the scapula to our rib cage to help to create that scapular stability. From there, again, there's some overlap with the other lines. It is going to blend in and have fascial connections to the external oblique. And this is going to match and blend in to the linea alba, which is the center portion of the rectus abdominis. But it's going to continue on to the internal obliques of the opposite side. So this is the spiral formation. Once we get to the internal obliques of the opposite side, it is going to connect and be in the line of pull of your TFL, your tensor fascia lata. And your tensor fascia lata, as we know, we talked about this with the lateral line, it blends into your IT band, your iliotibial band. And that is connecting all the way to the outside of your knee on the lateral portion, connecting to Gertie's tubercle on your tibia. And that is right where anterior tibialis muscle is. So anterior tibialis, the strong dorsiflexor muscle that's going to cross your ankle joint and it is going to attach to the medial portion of your midfoot. From there, anterior tib and peroneus longus, they are controlling that medial arch. Anterior tib on the top side of your foot and peroneus longus on the bottom side of your foot. So you're going to see anterior tib comes down on this medial aspect and then peroneus longus tendon, it is going to continue and go up behind your malleolus, your lateral malleolus, and up the lateral side of your shank. From there, peroneus longus, it attaches to the head of the fibula, right where the biceps femoris attaches to the head of the fibula as well. So now we're in the lateral hamstring group, and again, that lateral hamstring is going to attach to ischial tuberosity, where we talked about that sacral tuberous ligament that connects the sacrum to the ischial tuberosity, and that is going to span up the backside of your sacrum, that fascial connection that is going to blend in and continue with the erector spinae muscle group that spans your entire spinal column all the way up to the base of your skull. So that is the spiral line and you can see how it makes a spiral around the torso region, then it goes on the lateral side of your thigh, crosses to the medial side of your foot, underneath your foot, comes up the lateral side with the peroneal muscles, up to your biceps femoris, and that is going to connect to the ischial tuberosity, your sacrum, and span up the posterior side of your spinal column. I know that was a lot, but that is pretty much the spiral line, why it's so intricate, and it plays such a big role in a lot of functional movements, because it is controlling that rotational balance and stability. So to stretch and lengthen out the spiral line, it's a lot of rotational motions, especially in the trunk. Anything like open books, sideline thoracic rotation, down your leg, it's specifically targeting all of these muscles. Hip 90-90 stretches are great. And the one big way to lengthen out the entire spiral line, especially the lower body, is doing like a yoga triangle pose. That will help to lengthen out all of these muscles and help to create a full body stretch as well. I know that was a lot of information. I am going to put up videos that have the animations that show and demonstrate what I'm talking about. But this is just to give you an idea as you're listening to this audio of how integrated the myofascial system really is. And we have all of these different lines of pull. So I covered four basic lines in this episode, your superficial front and back line, your lateral line, and your spiral line. And this is only part one. There are more lines that I'm going to cover next episode, so be sure to tune in to next week, where I will talk about the arm lines, functional lines, and the deep front line, which is like the core of the myofascial meridian system. With all of that, I know it wasn't too practical today, but this knowledge, it will help you to understand how your body's moving. And as I put out more 
content, this is going to be a key fundamental piece to explain and connect some of the dots with future content. So overall, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If at the very least, hopefully it was interesting to hear how some of these connections are made within the body and how the body is situated. I encourage everyone to keep training out there. Maybe this will make some sense as to some of the things that you need to work on, or as I like to say, tune up in your body. And this may help you down the line to make some connections with what you need to work on to improve and reach those goals. Overall, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate all of the support. Check out my social media channels, trying to get more active on that. For those of you that have Twitter, I am starting to post more on Twitter. So if you like some of the content, follow me on Twitter, give me some suggestions. And of course, check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay tuned for these videos and more educational resources in the future. Other than that, keep doing what you're doing, work hard, keep yourself healthy, and enjoy all of the activities that you're able to do. I will be back here, same time, same place, next week. New episodes are released every Tuesday. So until then, have a great week, everyone. Aloha.